chapter 10. We're going to look at why church? Why the church? There's two things you need to remember when you're reading the book of Hebrews. One, it's to the Hebrews. <laughs> I know that's a shocker, but the Hebrews were the early Jewish Christians. They were dyed-in-the-wool Jews who had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. And uh, this was during the time that the temple was still standing. And the, the temple of Solomon, so magnificent and so wonderful, and uh, all of the sacrifices were still being made, and they heard the message that Jesus is the sacrifice. And the church is the temple of God in which he dwells. And they had put their faith in that message. And they had received Christ as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Well, as time passed in these original Jewish Christians, the temple still stood, the sacrifices were still presented... And many of these Hebrew Christians had family that didn't become Christians and they began to filter back to the temple sacrifices. So that's one background for the book of Hebrews. The other is, this Hebrews is written around 66 A.D. And within three or four years an event will take place, 70 A.D., which will totally shatter the nation of Israel. And it's the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Romans in 70 A.D. If you go to, to Israel today, you will find where the temple once stood in 70 A.D. A Muslim mosque has been erected. One historian says that over a million Jews perished in the destruction of the city and the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. So when we pick up the book of Hebrews and he says, don't forsake the assembly like some have done. Some have forsaken the Christian assembly and gone back to the temple sacrifices. But if you'll notice, I think this explains verse 26. Um, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving a knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, what he means is the temple and the sacrificial system and the Jewish priesthood and the high priest are all going to be killed. They're all going to be removed. There hasn't been a sacrifice in Jerusalem since 70 A.D. And this was written just a couple, two or three years before 70 A.D. That's also why in verse 25 he says, uh, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You can see it coming. 
these early Hebrew Christians, they could already see the Roman army starting to march into the land of Israel. They could already see the revolt that was happening within the city walls. So it's something visible to them in that day. And he says, in this age in which we're living and in this time, do not forsake, do not abandon, do not neglect meeting together, verse 25. That's the context. Now I want to back up and starting in verse uh, 19 and I want to show you how that he gives four main reasons why we should not abandon or neglect meeting together. And this is especially true today. I mean, you've got, you can listen to us online and if, you, if you're invalid or you can't uh, get to church, uh, this is a great ministry to people. We've tried to upgrade it as best we can. But there is no substitute for actual meeting in assembly together. And there are four reasons he gives here, starting in verse 19. Let's look at them. The first one, in verse 19, he says, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... Let's pause right there. Notice he says, since we have confidence. This is plural. He's not talking about an individual going to prayer. He's talking about a congregation meeting to worship. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places, the, the very realm where God dwells. And you could sense God's presence already this morning. We have a confidence that we can enter His presence even without the temple, even without the sacrificial system of the early Jews and the Old Covenant. We can still enter God's presence. Notice, by the blood of Jesus. So here's the first reason we should not give up meeting together. It's because of the high cost that gave us access. Did you know that the blood of Jesus, the price that was paid to us and for us, that is the high cost that God paid and Jesus paid that we might meet together. He says in verse 21, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. See, again, it's the house of God. It's not individual prayer. It's the house of God, the church of the living God. And the privilege of meeting together in corporate worship was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we should not abandon this. Conceivably, we could all just stay home on Sunday morning. And watch Joel Osteen on TV. He's, he's much better looking. Oh, I won't say much better. Somewhat better looking. Some years ago, a couple came to us. And this is when the Detroit Pistons were still at the palace in Auburn Hills. And they said, hey, we've got like free tickets to see the Pistons. And we can't go, uh, 
would you like to take these? And I mean, uh, some tickets to the Pistons are like $100, up to $400 you can pay to see the Pistons. So I said, yeah, we like the Pistons. So we fought the traffic. We, we endured the late night. We sat where you could hardly see. Although I did try to sneak down a few rows, but they caught me. But it was because why? It was paid for. I don't want to waste it. And that's the way that there's a sense of obligation. Look at the price paid. Anything that has been paid for and is expensive and how much more is the blood of Christ that we might get through the obstacles and mount the considerable dangers because the privilege has been bought and paid for by the Son of God. Here's a second reason that he gives, verse 21 and 22. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, once again, it's the house of God, let us, plural, as a congregation, draw near with a true heart. Let us worship together. Let us draw near. Why? Because we have a great priest, a great high priest over the house of God. Did you know that Jesus Christ is our high priest, the mediator between us and God? Under the old covenant, the high priest was Aaron, that was Moses' brother. He had access into the holiest of holies where, the, where God dwelt in the t- temple, in, in the tent. And the people were thankful because the high priest represented them. It was on the basis of the perfection of the high priest that they were able to have access to God. And on the Day of Atonement, once a year, the high priest would offer a lamb or a goat or ox. And he would go in before the throne of God. And he would take the blood of that sacrifice... And he would sprinkle it seven times before the altar. Seven. To show the perfection of the forgiveness and the acceptance that the high priest had purchased through that blood. The high priest came out then. He would emerge from the temple. And he would stand and he would lift up his hands... And he would say these words right out of Numbers chapter 6. This is how you bless the people. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. When the sacrifice was done, perfect In its sprinkling, the high priest was only had to then pronounce the blessing. That was a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, who when he went to the cross, he made a perfect sacrifice to God on our behalf. 
And now he stands as our high priest over the house of God, pronouncing peace. You say, oh, you don't know how, much, how many sins I've had and how often I've done it and how long I've lived in it. Hey, perfect sacrifice. There's a, if the blood of those bulls and goats could make atonement, how much more does the blood of our Savior make atonement for us today? I'm here this morning to pronounce peace with God through Christ to every one of you in this building today. There is an incredible verse where Jesus comes to his disciples after the resurrection and he breathes upon them the Holy Spirit. John 20 21, he says, just as the high priest would do, he says, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And now listen to this. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, if you pronounce them forgiven, then they are forgiven. If you withhold it, if you withhold forgiveness, then it is withheld. Think of that. Think of the authority under the leading of the Holy Spirit that the church, when someone comes and puts their faith in Christ, we have authority from the throne of God to pronounce your sins are forgiven and you may go in peace the word forgiven is the uh, Greek word which means to send away send out of the area so it's no longer present praise to God a third reason not only the blood of Christ and the the fact that Christ is our high priest. But look at verse 23. He gives a third reason. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. This is a third reason we should be faithful in church, faithful in corporate worship. Let's hold fast. For he who promised us is faithful. He's faithful. He doesn't waver. He doesn't take weeks and months off from us. He doesn't get sick. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't get lazy. He doesn't go to sleep. He is there. How many times have we thought, I'm not going to make it financially, or some sickness has come and laid us low or some marriage conflict that seemed unresolvable or some moral failure from which we thought there is no recovery. But the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ and here we are today praising God, worshiping in song, Praising Him and thanking Him. What a faithful Savior. 
And boy, I can testify to you. See, I'm old enough now. I'm probably the oldest one in, in, the, in the church. Now, I, I did just see one person. But uh, almost, <laughs> almost the oldest. And I can tell you the one thing I've learned in my years. He is faithful. He's faithful. What if he don't show up? What if he's not in church? He'll be there. And he will bless you. He will love you. And you will never have anyone as faithful to you and a friend like the Lord Jesus Christ. A fourth reason we should not neglect the meeting together. Verse 24 and 25. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love, to good works. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, as some have started to do, but, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's saying, consider others. They need encouragement. They, they, there are good works, opportunities where we can minister to one another. Consider them. And don't neglect it because why? Encourage each other even more as you see the day approaching. Now, we've already made the statement that the day, I believe, was just within they could, something they could see. So I think this is 70 AD destruction of Jerusalem. One of the one, called one of the 100 most incredible, important events of world history. You see the day. You see the Romans already coming in. And in light of that day, in light of the national emergency, we would say. See, the temple's going to be gone. Israel as a nation is going to be changed forever. There's going to be no more priesthood. The early Christians after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, they still went to the temple. I was just reading this morning in Acts. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, it's time to pray. They had three prayer times a day at the temple. And at the time of the evening prayer, they were going up to the temple. Well, that temple that has brought so much comfort and been so impressive and lasted so long and cost so much. It's going to be gone. And your nation. Did you know they took the Jews into... They, they, they totally annihilated it and plowed it like a field. The city of Jerusalem. One man visiting later said, as I looked at where... the Jerusalem stood, it seemed as if there had never been a city there. You couldn't even tell. It had been plowed under. Everything you see in modern day Jerusalem is built on top of it. Nothing of ancient Jerusalem remains except underground. 
And in light of this tremendous upheaval, and it's interesting that he says, not only should you not drop out. You see, uh, I think it's Barnes that did a, a study in the past three months and found that uh, one out of every four Christians quit going to church. It's affected us. Our, uh, the pastors in our association, uh, they've, they've lost half their membership. I, I would imagine we've lost half of our attendance. Some churches have not yet opened. And some may not open. Now notice what he says here. Do not neglect meeting together, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, a national emergency is not a time to draw back. It's a time to come together as God's people. All the more. You, you realize this nation that we have loved, I grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance without any reservation whatsoever. Still do. But this nation is in upheaval. We may never return to normal. You realize that? I don't know what the future has. I think for God's people, it's not, it'll, it'll be different, but it'll be better. I believe God's people gets better. I don't know if we will survive. Listen to this verse. Now, I didn't have time to put this on the board, but this is a verse you'll want to remember. As a nation, I don't know if the nation will survive, but I know the church will. Isaiah 60, verse 12. The nation and the kingdom that does not serve you will perish. And those nations will be utterly laid waste. It's Isaiah 60, verse 12. If they don't serve you, they'll perish. I don't know if our nation will turn around before it's too late and seek God and repent toward His Son, Jesus Christ and stop blaspheming His name on a regular basis. I don't know. We will pray for it. We will work for it. We will preach to it. But I do know the church survives. So he says, all the more, all the more, A missionary in the Sudan spoke at a church in Florida and he told about his church in the Sudan. He said it's, it, it, it's met heavy resistance by the Muslims. Their church had been bombed ten times. And they said, so does your church not exist now? He said, oh, we exist. We still meet. All of my children go to church. He said, but they all carry guns. <laughs> he said, all the more. We're going to meet. And we're going to praise. And we're going to worship. 
And we're going to preach the gospel and we're going to do it all the more as the nation unravels. All the more. That is my prayer for you today. Let us not neglect meeting together because of the high cost of His blood, because of the blessing of His priesthood, because of His faithfulness as our Savior, and because of the urgency of the times. Let us not neglect meeting together.